0: Canada a privilege to be with you all today. Um, your pastor called me a couple of weeks ago and said he was going to be gone today and wanted to know uh, if I could come and preach for him this morning, and I was glad to do that. Uh, some of y'all I have known when I pastored Pauline uh, from for about 20 years, from 80, 84 until 2003, uh, I was also in the mission rally. Uh, I took... Uh, the place of uh, Louise Wallace. Uh, members, her, her and her husband had been a secretary clerk, I guess, for as long as the association had been here, the Bartholomew Association. And I was, I got, I was privileged to take her place for a few years as a clerk. And anyway, so I've been around here for a while. But we came back to Pauline to Monticello in 2014. Uh, we left there in 2003, and I became the editor-in-chief of publications for uh, Bogard Press, for Baptist Sunday School Committee, and was for I followed Bill Johnson in that job. And for 11 years, I was there. And then we moved back here in 2014. I worked with the senior adults in Pauline Baptist Church. And uh, you know what is, is funny? Now, my wife is not here, so I'll say this, that uh, she and I are 74 years old. And um, when we were 36, I became the pastor of Pauline Baptist Church. But then we left for 11 years in Texarkana. When we came back to Pauline, we were 66. 36, 66, and guess what? The people in the church that had gotten, all those people got old while I was gone. And when we came back, I found out we were working with the senior adults, which happened to be the same people I pastored for 20 years. And uh, so it was a really good fit and and some sweet, sweet folks there. And it's been a privilege to be connected with Pauline and with the Bartholomew Association, with Calvary. I know uh, Brother uh, Joel Meredith, especially, I knew, I know he was pastoring here when I was here and I know him very well. And it's just a privilege to be with you today. Uh, When we had that, our dear brother had the senior moment calling on somebody to pray reminded me when I was a kid, sitting in church, Hoyt Chastain Sr. was my pastor uh, for many, many years. And Brother Chastain, one Sunday morning, man, we had a house full of people, probably 200 or more in our church. The four deacons came up to take the offering and Brother Chastain said, brother, brother. (laughs) And then he said, Oh, Freslin, you know your name. Lead us in prayer. <laughs> so we kind of know what that's like. That sometimes it just like a watermelon seed, you put your finger on it and it goes somewhere else. Once you open your Bibles in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 26, verses three and four, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about God's prescription for perfect peace. In fact, um, these two verses are some of those verses in the Bible. That when you hear them, you think, man, I know that. I know those verses. Those verses are familiar to me. And you think maybe they're in Matthew, Mark, or Luke or somewhere. And they're in Isaiah. But listen to these words. And then I want to talk with you for a few minutes about how to have what God says about having perfect peace. Isaiah 26 in your Bibles, verse 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. These verses are very applicable to today, though Isaiah wrote them about 750 BC, so that's 27, 2800 years ago he wrote these words, but they're applicable today because we live in a time when there's not a lot of peace going on. Peace in the world, peace in our nation, uh, peace sometimes in our, in our hearts, in our own, as we have to face difficulties and problems and trials. And the beautiful thing is that, is that Isaiah, by inspiration, told us exactly what God wanted us to know so that we could have perfect peace In a world of turmoil, listen, in a world of turmoil, you can have perfect peace. A good friend of mine at at Pauline Church is a turkey hunter, and uh, I don't do that. I do deer hunt, but I don't turkey hunt. But he told me just a couple of months ago that he went to his deer camp over by banks, uh, out of banks for a ways, and there's no cell coverage. There's no internet, nothing over there. So he went over there to uh, turkey hunt for a week, and he is a big fan of Fox News. Every day, he watches Fox News. He said, I went to to the deer camp for a week, completely out of touch with anybody or anything. And he said, you know, when I came home, I turned on the TV, Fox News, and guess what? Nothing had changed. It was exactly what they were reporting a week ago. I'd been gone a week and nothing changed. Bad news was still happening and it was still the same kind of bad news. We live in a world of turmoil and conflict and sometimes it robs our peace. Sometimes things that happen to us steal our joy and rob our peace. And I'm not telling you this doesn't happen to me or any good Christian person, anybody you know that claims Christ and maybe you look up to them and say, man, they're This guy is a preacher or a Sunday school teacher a deacon, a follower of Christ. And are there times when he loses his peace, when he gets troubled and torn apart? Yes, that happens. That happens to all of us. But the truth of it is, if we took God at his word and if we followed God's plan and God's precepts and God's prescription, we could have peace even when we go through troubling times. Now, Some of y'all know that... um, When you're a pastor, one of the things you do is you visit in hospitals and you visit sick people. And I've been a pastor for many, many, many years, and I didn't tell people when I would go in the hospital to visit them that I myself had never spent one night in the hospital, never, until I was about 65 years old. I had never spent a night in the hospital. But I understood, and I tried to sympathize and empathize with what they were going through Sometimes pastors go visit others that are in serious problems. I remember going to Children's Hospital in in, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas Children's Hospital, and seeing people that I don't know how they had peace because their little one, their baby or their child, was in such uh, serious condition in that hospital. And I'm I'm telling you right from my heart, there were times when I would go in that hospital to visit those people and see their child and I would go out the door and I would wonder how are they doing that? How can they smile and be civil and be normal when their child is in such serious And I knew it was Jesus. I, I knew he gives a calm in the storm but, I, but for myself it was very... Um, I just couldn't comprehend it because I'd never been through it, I guess you could say. I pastored in the San Francisco Bay Area for eight years, and we had a boy who had leukemia, and he was in the Children's Hospital in Berkeley, California, just north of Oakland, and um, his family was in our church, and I would go visit him every week, and he was four when he got leukemia, and this was many years ago. They can do so much more now than they used to, but he was four, and he passed away when he was five. And I would go every week to that hospital and I would go visit that family and I would experience the same thing. I had little ones. I had at that time um, three, three little children and when I would get out of that, I would go down the hallway and I would visit the folks and then I would see other children that were struggling and other parents that were there and man, I tell you, when I went home, I would hug my kids, <laughs> and I, I would, <laughs> now they didn't know what was going on, but um, I, I would just thank God that my kids were healthy, and I would think about those people that were going through such difficult times, and in 2014, my nine-year-old granddaughter had a brain bleed and had to be taken to Arkansas Children's Hospital, and she spent um, seven weeks in arkansas children's hospital she we didn't for eight days we didn't know if she was going to live or die and it was something that now my wife and i and my daughter and her husband we were the ones that were sitting in the room with our child our grandchild at the point of death didn't know she'd live or not and man it was it was altogether different Listen, you know what was different? Was to have the peace of God, that to be in that place and trust him. You know, it's one thing to see it. It's another thing when you go through it, and it really changes your perspective. And what I found was, is that the sun came up the next day. People still lived and breathed and smiled. And, had, and God was answering our prayers and was strengthened our family during those times and it dawned on me later that now we were one of those families that when somebody comes in you smile at them and you greet them and you talk to them about other things and life just kind of goes on because you have the peace that passes understanding that's able to keep you in a storm in a difficult time you know. So i want to talk to you today for a few minutes about these things. There are three Things that he mentions that bring perfect peace. And if you're in your Bibles, I want you to notice with me what they are. Look at the verses again Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. The first thing I want you to see is that there's the refuge that God offers, and that is the promise of peace. He promises to give you peace. He does it this way. See those words, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Thou is talking about God. Man cannot keep us in peace. Yeah, he cannot give us peace. He may give us solutions, he may be a good doctor, or he may do other things to try to help us get through. But God is the one who can give us this peace that passes understanding, this perfect peace. And I love that Isaiah begins by, with the word thou, because thou, even though we don't use those words, old King James, old English, we don't use them, but, but I love it right here because it says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. God is the one who gives you peace in the storm. Many of us here in this room today, I know many of you have known Christ and walked with him for years, and you have been through rough times and difficulties and losses, And you have found that God can give you peace even in a storm. And so when we talk about the promise, God says to you and to me, thou wilt give him, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. That is a promise that God gives. For God to keep you. You see the word keep in your Bibles in verse 3? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. The word "keep" right there is connected with a word to guard or to protect. We think about uh, maybe f- famous people with guards around them who protect them. We think about the president or somebody else of great authority, and and they they are kept they are kept safe by the guards around them. And that that's kind of the word right here. He says, "God God will keep you. He will guard you. He will protect you. He will give you." perfect peace man that is a tremendous promise it is a great promise to know that when we have difficult times and listen it is only a matter of time before you go through difficult times right we may you may sit there and think well I've never experienced anything like that and I don't want to burst your bubble but let me tell you you will experience some things like that because that's a part of life when I was a little guy, my grandmother lived in Texas. My mother was a seventh-generation Texan. And, uh, man, when when you hear the yellow rose of Texas, you have to stand up and put your hand over your heart almost. You know, she, my mother was, man, she was a Texan. So we were visiting her mother, my grandmother in Texas, and now my grandmother was probably, at that time, she was getting older, probably in her 70s or more. I don't know, but she was up there. When you're young, everybody over 30 is old, you know. And... um we were talking about somebody who had died in their community and was going to a funeral. And I think I must have been 10 or 11 years old at this, at this time. And, and I told my grandmother, I said, Ma, I, I have never been to a funeral. And my grandmother, man, she got upset with me. She said, you need to go to a funeral because it shows respect for people that have died. And I remember very clearly looking her in the eye and saying, I've never known anybody who died. Think about that. What is it like when you've never known anybody? I've never knew anybody to die. That was kind of a good place to be, and I couldn't rejoice in it because I didn't realize what it was like to never know anybody who died. But the older we get, the more we know of people who used to be here that are not any longer. They've... They've gotten older, they've passed away, they've gone on and we've gone to their funerals, you know. So what I'm saying is is that this is the path because we live in a sinful, broken world that we have to think about the fact that someday we're gonna go through those times, whether it's sickness or loss of a job or, or loss of our house or loss of family members. We have to be prepared for the time when God will give us peace. Thou wilt keep him. God will guard him in perfect peace. Now there's a beautiful little, another thing that I want you to see in this verse, even though maybe probably there's not many people here who speak Hebrew, right? There are not many of us who speak Hebrew. I don't speak Hebrew. I can kind of halfway read it. I learned in seminary a long time ago to look at Hebrew so I can pick out a few words occasionally, but I sure can't do that. But there's a word for perfect peace, word for perfect peace that every one of us know. If I were to say to you, what what is a Hebrew word that you do know? Uh, some of you would say shalom, right? Shalom is how Jewish people to this day greet each other. It's kind of like um, in Hawaii you know, when they greet each other or some other place, they have the same aloha, where it means good morning, good night, hello, goodbye. It's the same greeting. same thing with shalom means peace, right? Peace, shalom, shalom. The beautiful thing, he says, he uses that word two times. You see the words perfect peace, two words? In the Hebrew, it's also two words, and it is shalom, shalom, twice. And any time the Bible repeats a word like that, it's, it means it's important. It's worth taking note of. In fact, when we see a, 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 a redundancy or a repetition, it communicates intensity. When we read the words of Jesus in the book of John, do you know that there were 25 times Jesus said to his disciples and others, verily, verily, I say unto thee, you know, And when you see Jesus say, truly, truly, verily, verily, when he repeats himself, you better listen because he's going to say something important. And there are 25 times recorded in John when Jesus said, verily, verily. And every one of those, next time you're reading through John and you come across that verily, verily, stop for a minute and notice what it is he's, he's fixing to say. Verily, verily, I say unto you, and man, there's something important. And that's just a principle of Scripture, that a a repetition of words means it's important. And so when he says, thou wilt keep him in shalom, shalom, in perfect peace, man, that is a great promise that God can give, and only God can can give that. Now, I want to say something about peace. You can see it in in verse 3, thou wilt keep him, shall keep him in perfect peace, in the Bible, there are two kinds of peace mainly that we need to be familiar with. One of them is being at peace with God, and the other one is having the peace of God. Now, I know they're just a, almost sounds the same, but it isn't. What does it mean to be at peace with God? Sometimes old timers will say to people who are even older, maybe looking at the end of their life, they will say, Have you made your peace with God? Have you ever heard that expression? Have you made your peace with God? Now what they mean is they realize that in our natural state before we are born again, before we are saved, we are not at peace with God because we're sinful people and God is a holy, perfect God. And in order for God to save us, there has to be peace between us. And so when when the Bible talks about Being at peace with God, he talks about that's what happens when you were saved. That day or night, whenever it was that you confessed your sins to him and you asked him to save you, right then, friend, whether you realized it or not, you made your peace with God. God was now not the judge on the throne of judgment. He was your father and you became his child. And man, that relationship was altogether changed because you had peace with God. The peace was there. Paul talked about it in Romans 5 when he said, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The way you can have peace with God, the way you can have when you're having turmoil, the way you can know that you're going to go to heaven when you die is to have the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.3 When you come and confess your sins and you trust Him as your Savior, then Jesus Christ becomes the way you have peace with God. So that's one kind of peace. Let me say that's not, that's not, the word, that's not what he's talking about right here. He's not talking about making your peace with God. He's talking about having the peace of God that calms you, that secures you, that gives you strength, that gives you courage and grace. That's what he's talking about when he said, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. The second kind of peace, the peace of God is the kind that Paul wrote about in Philippians. You remember when he said in Philippians 4, some of you will remember these verses in 6 and 7, where he said, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep or guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. That is having the peace of God. And Paul said, listen, this peace of God passes understanding. That's what people have. When you go to see them in the hospital and their little one is lying on at death's door and they have peace, you say, how can they be, how can they be at peace? How can they be calm? How can they keep going? How can they keep breathing and keep living And it is because they have the peace of God that passes understanding. There's no way you can explain it. I have seen people, and maybe some of you have been there, I know you've seen people that when you go out the door, you think, I don't know how they're doing that. How can they keep going when they're having to go through such a deep valley? And many times it's because they have the peace of God. That passes understanding. You can't even explain it if you tried. So that's what he's talking about right here, I think, when he says, here's the promise, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. So look at the second thing, and that is the process. God offers a refuge, a promise, the promise of peace. And then he tells us about the process or the response he desires. So you say, well, listen, if God promises perfect peace, how can I get it? What's the process that will bring peace into my heart and life when I'm facing difficulties and trials? And he talks about this also. Did you see the latter part of verse 3? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Now the process of having God's peace, of seeing the promise of God to give us perfect peace, the process that we receive it is kind of a two step process. Did you see those in verse in verse three? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Look at this. First, whose mind is stayed on thee. So how can you have perfect peace? As a believer in Christ, when you're going through struggles, stay your mind on him. That's what he said. That will keep him in perfect peace. Who? Whose mind is stayed on thee. You know, whatever you whatever you choose to dwell on when you go through t- troublesome times, will really determine whether you have peace or not. Because if you dwell on your problem, you're not going to be don't have much peace then. <laughs> I had uh, cancer uh, ten or eleven years ago, uh, prostate cancer. And I remember when I was first diagnosed with it, um, I, I can tell you right where I was. I was. I was the editor in Texarkana. I was coming home from work, and I'd had some tests, and I was hoping that they would just come out, so the doctor would call you and say, well, there's nothing there, just this. And I was driving home from work, and I, I turned off of Arkansas Boulevard. I was going home. We lived on Sanderson Lane. And I turned off Arkansas Boulevard, and I was on Pinson Street. And I, my phone rang, and I looked, and it was the doctor's office. And I thought, hmm, I better pull over for the good news I'm going to get from the doctor. And what he had to say was not good news. Uh, he said, the biopsies will come back. You've got cancer, and uh, we'll make it, you're going to need to make an appointment. We're going to have to figure out what we're going to do. And I remember... Right where I was, I just like I said, I just kind of pulled over to the curb and kind of stopped there, so I could talk without distraction and listen. And then I had to go home and tell my wife what the doctor had just said. And I'm telling you, I was in um, uh, my wife's father was Boots Madden, okay, and man, he was strong, big guy, you know. And my wife was she kind of took after him sometimes. She she would you know she's strong, you know. So I went home and I was moping around because I had cancer, you know. And she let me mope and gave me some kind of sympathy for about a week. And then about a week later, she said, you need to get a grip. All this stuff you've been preaching about trusting God, you need to practice it. (laughs) Because... In fact, I'm going to tell you, my wife, I'm glad she's not here because I want to tell you what she said. She said, uh, You think you're the only one with that? People have that every day. You know, who do you think you are? You think you don't deserve to get that? And man, I'm, I was up equal to the task. I said, Yes, I think I do not deserve to get cancer. I'm a Christian, I'm a preacher. I tithe, <laughs> you know, I go to church, I get my offering, yeah, I don't deserve that, and that's when she said, no, people get it every day, we live in a fallen world, cancer is something that's a part of the, God's uh, judgment on this world, and you need to trust God and learn to deal with it, you know, <laughs> boy, it's terrible when your wife speaks to you like that, um, when you, especially when you're the spiritual leader, supposedly, you know, and but boy, I'll tell you what I did is is that God um, provided for a good surgery, and so the surgery, and I go back, and some of you some of you men probably will have to go through that that I'm talking to do right now, uh, back to keep track of stuff and how it's going. And... but you know the thing of it is, I kind of thought I didn't. I want, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't. That shouldn't happen to me. No, that give, doesn't give you an exemption because you're a Christian. You won't get cancer or you won't have a heart attack, or something won't go wrong, or your kids won't get rebellious. I mean, that's no guarantee that you're not going to have difficulties. Here's the thing, though. Where are you placing your mind? What are you staying your mind on? You know the word stay right here. Look at back in verse 3. Whose mind is stayed on thee. The word stay means to rest, to lay something on it, uh, on a table or something you use for support for uh, sustaining you what is your mind what does your mind dwell on when you're having difficulties again if if you're if you're facing cancer and your mind is dwelling on cancer man you're not going to have much peace but if you stay your mind on him God you know all things God, you made me. God, you know what I'm going through. God, I trust you to take care of me in in this difficult time. You see, that's what we're talking about. If you stay your mind on your problem or on yourself, you will not have peace. I can tell you that right now. Because myself, I could do nothing about it. My problem, I really couldn't deal with it either. But I have a God who made me and knows me, and he can deal with it, you know. And he can help me have peace as I deal with it, you know. And that's why this is so powerful. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee, that's the first step, and who trusteth in thee. That's the second step. In fact, listen, whatever your mind is staying on is what you're trusting. You're trusting in that that's why God said, "Whose mind is stayed on thee because He trusteth in thee, I love the fact that we can trust God, the God who made you, who sent his Son to save you, the God who in in his holy Spirit indwells you, can be trusted. You can trust him even when the doctor gives you a bad prognosis, even when you don't know what you're going to do the next day, even when things are falling apart. God knows, and and listen, folks, we can trust Him because He knows, and He has best interest for us. That's why Romans eight twenty eight is true. That's why God will work everything together for good to them that love Him. Everything, meaning the good, the bad, and the ugly. He will work it together. Now, how does he do that? I don't know how he does that. But let me tell you, from 74 years of life experience that I've had, when I look back, I can see some of the most difficult times of my life that God was working it for my good. He was working even through tragedies and difficulties. He was there putting it in a way that it was beneficial And he can be trusted. Don't think God has abandoned you, listen, friend, because you're having to go through these times. Don't think he's left you. He's there. You need to trust him. Just say, God, I don't know why this is happening to me, but God, I know you're my father, and I trust you, right? That's what you do when you go to the doctor. You don't know what you've got or what to do, but the doctor that you trust when he says take this prescription and go home and do this and take this why do you do that why because you trust it he's got your best interest at heart and so you trust what he says you trust what he does and he may cut you with a knife if you have to have surgery <laughs> cut you deeply or something you know but but you trust him and so you say well he's got my best interest at heart god is much greater because he is your maker he is your lord He's your master. You can trust him. So the process, man, the promise of peace, yeah, God will keep us in perfect peace. The process whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And I want us to look at the third thing. And that is that the results God provides, here we're talking about the product. God offers refuge, a promise. He desires a response, and that's a process, the process of peace. Staying your mind on him and trusting him. So what are the results? What are the product when this happens? He talks about this in verse 4. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We ought to trust in the Lord and we can trust in him forever, not just for a limited amount of time. We can trust in him forever, it says. I love the fact that um, he uses the word. Did you see this in your Bible? First he used the word trust ye in the Lord. And it's all in caps right there in your Bible, right? Capital, capital L-O-R-D. I'm not sure. Uh on this I didn't capitalize L-O-R-D or L-O-R-D, and they should be in caps. And it's very important. You say, well, what's the deal? Well, in your Bible, when you see the word in the Old Testament, the word Lord, and it's all in caps, that means it's the word Jehovah. It's the word Jehovah, Yahweh, God, the the Jehovah God. When you see a word in Lord and it's a capital L and it's got a little O-R-D, That's usually the word Adonai, which means Lord. Sometimes it refers to God, but sometimes it refers to a human Lord who has authority. So this word, he says, trust ye in the Lord, in Jehovah. Trust ye in the Lord forever. Then he says, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. When you see the words in your Bible, Lord Jehovah, you know it's only found two times in the, in the King James Version in the Old Testament, like that. Where it's the word Lord, followed right by the word Jehovah. And, and what it is, is you remember what I told you about the repetition means something important? You know, if you looked at this in, in the Hebrew, you would see the word, for in Jehovah, Jehovah is everlasting strength. There, there is that repetition of words again. And not just in Jehovah, but in Jehovah, Jehovah, in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And I mentioned to you that uh, this was only found two times in the Bible. Both times it's, it's written by Isaiah. And I'd like for you to see this if you'll turn back to Isaiah chapter 12. Hold your place in chap- chapter 26. And look with me at, at Isaiah 12. Beginning in verse 2, here's the other place, the only other place in the Bible where you see Lord Jehovah, all in caps. Isaiah 12, 2, Isaiah writes, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Aren't you glad that uh, the Lord is your salvation? Aren't you glad that that you don't save yourself? If we had to save ourselves, there would none of us be in heaven. If we had to save ourselves, we'd be in hell. Maybe right now. Because we cannot save ourselves. It is the Lord that saves us. That's why we call on his name. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's why we we trust him to save us. So Isaiah says here in verse 2 that the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song also he is become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation for in that day shall ye say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention of his that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. The results of this promise, he gives a promise of everlasting peace, of real peace, of perfect peace. He gives a process Stay your mind on him, trust in him, and then he gives you the product. As you trust in the Lord forever, in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. I'm glad that in the Lord Jehovah, there is salvation and there is grace and there is strength. A few years ago, in fact, it was in 2015, a songwriter named Ryan Stevenson wrote a song and um in that song he um let me find it here whoop no wonder it's the wrong place <laughs> Ryan Stevenson wrote a, wrote a song and The name of it is In the Eye of the Storm. You remember hearing that song? Mm -hmm. Man, I love that song because it kind of illustrates and kind of comes to, brings a conclusion of what I've, I've got to say today. He said, and listen to these words. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. And in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. When my hopes and dreams are far from me and I'm running out of faith, I see the future I pictured slowly fade away. And when the tears of pain and heartache are falling down my face, I find my peace in Jesus' name. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the war, you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm the third verse sums it up when the test comes in and the doctor says i've only got a few months left it's like a bitter pill i'm swallowing and i can i can barely take a breath and when sickness steals my child away and there's nothing i can do my only hope is to trust in you I trust you Lord in the eye of the storm you remain in control and in the middle of the war you guard my soul you alone are the anchor when my sails are torn your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm and that is literally true and I love that song from 2015 because it reminds me that we'll go through storms But in the eye of the storm, he's the one that holds us. We can trust him even in the eye of the storm. Why don't we stand together?